One thing that I've observed and experienced across all of the efforts that I've supported over time is that you could structurally and project planning wise, get all of the right deliverables together, do all of the appropriate analyses, set up all the, the right meetings, the tech implementation, make sure you're getting all the testing done. But there are humans <laughs> that are being impacted by these changes and you still end up having to play in the, the head space, the heart space, a lot more than you might anticipate. Are you leading change in your organization? Maybe you are wondering what it's really like to lead during a transformation. Welcome to When Women Lead Change with Danielle Hawk. Get insights from senior and executive level women across various industries and sectors as we spotlight their journey in leading significant change in their respective organizations. You will also hear from subject matter experts in the areas of strategic change, project management and human resources, and what it takes to thrive in this role. Because leading during steady state is not the same as leading during change. And now, here's your host, Danielle Hawk. Welcome to this week's episode of When Women Lead Change. We have the awesome privilege of having Lauren Ewing with us this week. Lauren is an HR strategy consultant and leadership coach with Google. Prior to Google, Lauren spent several years in human capital consulting with firms like Deloitte and Booz Allen Hamilton. She has been both a change strategist and HR leader, so she's able to provide some really interesting perspectives. I think what I liked most about this episode is how Lauren was able to share with our listeners how change leaders and sponsors can unintentionally become resistors and challengers to the change that they are actually charged with leading. Lauren also shared the importance of being resilient, persistent, tenacious. She talked about all of these qualities when it comes to taking on this role as a change leader or sponsor of change. Finally, Lauren left some really good nuggets for our fellow change strategists out there when they're working on large-scale transformation efforts. So let's get started. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Our listeners, I think, are going to be really excited and interested in what you have to share in terms of what you've seen leaders do well and how they've excelled in this role and some things that they may have learned along the way. Before we dive into some examples or some previous experiences that you've had, can you describe your role and how you work with leaders right now? Sure. So in my current role, I am a Google employee. However, I am entirely focused on providing HR strategy and change management support to the Alphabet companies, which are the smaller startup organizations under the Alphabet umbrella, many of whom are offshoots of projects that actually originated within Google. And these organizations are ones that are in a state of rapid growth and evolution and change where they're really just trying to set up their infrastructure, determine their business priorities, and figure out what's going to be the best ways for them to succeed going forward. So I and a a small but nimble team of colleagues work on projects across all of these alphabet companies to ensure that they have a sound foundation around HR programs, policies, and around cultural aspects as well. So it's a pretty interesting role. It sounds like it. It sounds like there are a lot of opportunities to work with clients in different 
stages of growth. And it just seems like it's a lot to be able to offer, I think, those companies. So that's cool stuff. So Lauren, let's get into some of our questions here. So Lauren, when you think about leading change, what do you think is the most challenging aspect of being a change sponsor? Well, having supported change efforts, both large and small, one thing that's been consistent is the challenge of staying attuned to what's happening with the initiative at any point in time so that that change sponsor can very effectively anticipate and manage resistance and barriers to change as they may come up and also not become a source of resistance themselves when it comes to the effort. So being able to leverage their position to help do whatever it takes to drive that work forward, but at the same time, balance that with the challenge of not being so driven that the project team just gets pressured to deliver against things that are not in alignment with the broader goal. Mm. So it's all about alignment. It's all about being closely tied to the project team that's executing and being a facilitator and enabler of the change versus contributing to being a barrier or a resistor of the change. Mm, that's some really interesting points you've made. And I, I do think, you know, one, a leader who is able to remain fully engaged and attuned to the ebbs and flows and how the project is progressing, that's critical. I think a lot of leaders, um, sometimes they are doing this role on the backs of their day jobs and they're in very complex systems and organizations. So, you know, there can be the temptation to pull your foot off the gas a little bit, but that usually has some risk associated with it. Absolutely. And then this idea of being the potential of being a a resistor themselves to the change at some point in time. I think that's I don't know if I've seen that for sure in my projects, but I definitely can see that happening, particularly when there's the potential to lose probably position or power or someone being so tightly focused on believing like this is the right way to execute it. We have to take this approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm happy to explain a little bit more what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say um, that a challenging aspect of being a change sponsor is not becoming a source of resistance themselves, I mean that under the assumption that the change sponsor is Mm (laughs) well-intentioned and doesn't actually intend to be a source of resistance. But When it comes to managing change, all parties involved, even if you're the one implementing the change, is going to be affected in some way, right? And that means managing your own self-interest in that change with what the greater good is. And sometimes, even if you're a change sponsor, as you mentioned, Danielle, it may be a matter of, well, this change might actually affect what my job becomes or what it evolves to be post-change. And maybe that's something that does kind of scare me. (laughs) And maybe that may lead me to influence the effort in ways that unintentionally just seek to serve my own interests rather than staying true to what the greater good is. So I've seen that play out here and there, not intentionally, but with a change sponsor who themselves is having to grapple with the change and is doing what humans do, (laughs) which is taking a protective approach. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That was good. So Lauren, tell our listeners about a leader who was, they may have been internal or external client of yours, 
who seemed to excel in that role, in the role of being a change sponsor? Like what made the difference for that person? In terms of a change sponsor that I've worked closely with that seemed to excel in leading change, there were a few traits that stood out to me. One was that this individual was a really strong and authentic communicator. They were able to synthesize the complexities of the change management effort and distill it in a way that created narratives for the respective audiences that they would engage with that really landed, it stuck, and it really helped to bring those impacted by the change along the process. Another aspect that I think worked in this leader's favor was that they were really humble and vulnerable in the way that they talked about how they were feeling about the change and how they were impacted and the things that they were concerned about. And they balance that with the more positive and motivational messages around the change because it highlighted their humanity in engaging with this effort. And therefore, it helped build trust with those that were impacted. And it just created more of a connection with key stakeholders. That's a really good description of a leader who seemed to hold this role in a very powerful way. And I'm just curious, do you feel like this is something that person just came to the table with in terms of those that skill set and that ability? Or was it a situation where just continually over the course of the process, they just continue to execute and hone and refine this skill set? I would say a little of both. The reason why this leader was selected as the change sponsor was because they already had a reputation for being strong in their leadership style, being authentic, being a great connector and communicator, and just being highly emotionally intelligent. And so this person was identified as being a, an integral and influential person to be involved in the effort. And as part of when once this person got involved, it did require some additional coaching and, you know, helping to construct talking points and really engage in um, a partner in a in developing a communication strategy around this. But because this person already had those qualities, we decided to figure out what would be the best way to leverage those qualities in order to really help move this change effort forward. Mm. And so another thing that I think help this person excel in leading change was that they're just really present. They're a really present leader and they maintained that presence throughout the process such that it wasn't that they just made an appearance at just key points and said some inspirational stuff (laughs) and then moved on. But they really took a vested interest in making sure that we stuck the landing when it came to this effort and not just treating their role as sponsor as a title but something that they were really committed to doing. Right. So when you think about this individual and how they were able to show up in a very effective and strong way, do you feel like there might have been some blind spots, perhaps, that this individual came into this effort? In the last episode of When Women Lead Change, I thought Wendy did a great job of explaining how every change effort is so uniquely different. And just curious to know if 
there was anything that this person may have missed as they were leading change. So in terms of blind spots, one that came up was the change sponsor underestimating the impact of the change on a particular part of our stakeholder audience that they felt probably was more distant from the change and relative to some of the other groups, not going to be as impacted as, as the other groups. However, through additional conversations, through additional context setting, and being able to paint a more holistic picture for the change sponsor about all the ways in which this group would be impacted, we were able to shift this leader's mindset a little bit so that they would be more attuned and more attentive to that group because that group actually was a significant player in the execution of the change. And so getting that group on board and aligned and making sure that their needs were taken care of was critical to the effort ultimately. And so by making that case to the change sponsor, we were able to take care of that blind spot. Other than that, there were no other major ones that came up. Okay. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing. I think our listeners can appreciate you giving them a sense of that phase of the project where in the beginning, the outlining of the stakeholders and and where the pockets of resistance might be and kind of underestimating. And I think it can be easy to underestimate to some degree when at the beginning of the project, when you don't necessarily have all of the pieces in place in terms of how the change will come together and where the impacts will truly land. But it becomes very apparent along the way, that's for sure. So that's a, a really good example. Yeah, and I think it also, another contributing factor was When it comes to who the change sponsor is, it depends on what their distance is from certain stakeholder groups. So this particular group where there was a blind spot was just, it was a group that they had not interacted with very directly or very deeply. And so it was easy to underestimate what that group's impacts would be. Mm -hmm. So I, I think as a strategist in supporting change, my role in supporting this sponsor in that moment was to give them a perspective that they would not have otherwise gotten on their own and really equip them with the information they needed to do their best work in executing their role as a change sponsor. Great. Thanks. So Lauren, a lot of our listeners here are individuals, women who will at some point lead change themselves in a large complex organization or perhaps simply lead a large transformation effort. What are some of the things that you think they should consider when taking on this role? I would say one thing that they should consider is how resilient are they? (laughs) How tenacious are they? And how willing are they to push and to navigate sometimes some sensitive waters when it comes to change efforts? Because one thing that I've observed and experienced across all of the efforts that I've supported over time is that you could structurally and project planning wise get to get all of the right deliverables together, do all of the appropriate analyses, set up all the the right meetings. If it's a tech implementation, make sure you're getting all the testing done. But there are humans (laughs) that are being impacted by these changes and you still end up having to play in the the headspace, the heart space 
a lot more than you might anticipate, regardless of what the change happens to be. And when you start getting into that emotional space, it requires you to rely heavily on your emotional intelligence, your ability to read and connect with people and figure out what's the story that needs to be told to enable those impacted by the change to connect the dots and be invested in that change. And so I think for those that are considering pursuing a role as a change strategist, it's really asking yourself, you know, to what extent do you have the appetite to balance both things, the head versus the heart, and being able to engage on both levels with your clients, because without engagement on both sides, a change effort could fail. Thanks, Lauren. So you weren't just sharing your perspective on even what leaders themselves should be considering when taking on this role, but also what change strategists should be thinking about as well. Yeah. And I I think it's true for both roles. Mm -hmm. I have for, you know, a number of years now been working in the technology space. And one thing that I found kind of funny with change efforts in this space is that there's often this starting point of saying, well, you know, our people are really logical. So if you want them to change, you have to just show them data, show them lots and lots of data <laughs> and cut your analyses this way or that way. And, you know, they're just not going to believe anything until they see the data. But then you show the data, you, you, you indulge in that request and you still find that people aren't super engaged. And one thing it always comes down to is, well, before they were technologists, they were they're human beings <laughs> and they still are driven <laughs> by all of the same emotional needs and they experience all the same emotions that any human being experiences. And so to drive a change effort where you don't acknowledge that their humanity still could lead to resistance, even in this space. So whether you're the person sponsoring the change or you're the change strategist, being able to appreciate that balance and knowing when you have to lean on one side more than the other in order to engage those that are affected is going to be a significant part of what your success will be with the effort. Mm. Wow, Lauren, thanks so much for giving us that perspective. It's very helpful, I think, to our listeners and even our change strategists that listen in as well. Lauren, is there anything else that you think might be valuable for our listeners to understand are to know. Any final parting thoughts? When it comes to um, change management work, how often change efforts are not recognized as such. So clients will come and say, well, I would like to roll out a new HR technology. (laughs) And they treat it like it's just a programmatic change Mm -hmm. versus acknowledging that there are broader change management context that should be considered as part of that implementation. I real I recognize how many times I have had to turn what didn't start as a change management conversation into a change management conversation because that influences how that project gets handled mm-hmm. and what streams of work get built in order to affect positive change and, and influence the implementation of that thing. Yeah. So the only other nugget I would say is sometimes things sound like and look like a change management effort, but they may not be labeled as such. So I think for those who are change strategists or those who may be considering being a change sponsor, 
be prepared to sometimes have the conversation in calling that initiative what it is and having people think a little bit more differently and more systemically about how that program or that technology or whatever that thing is, is going to have broader impacts on the organization such that a stream of work around change management does in fact need to happen. Great, great. Well, thanks so much, Lauren, for sharing with us this week. No problem. I'm happy to do so. So great to have you.